Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and I am that pastor. Glad to have you here on Friday morning with us in our study of 1 Timothy. We're meeting every Friday morning here at 9 a.m. Central Time in the studio. If you live anywhere in this area, you're welcome to come and be a part of us. I wish your soul would catch on fire if you do live in this area and you do claim that you like the message of the cross. I, if, you, if you're not doing anything on Friday mornings, come on out. Be a part of this Bible study. Uh, I'm amazed at how uh, few people uh, want to be a part of this, that can be a part of this. And uh, uh, But if you'll, if you'll let that fire burn in your heart and you want to learn the Word of God more than just have some uh, ritual duty uh, on Sunday or Wednesday or something, come on out and get you some more because you will get more truth of God's Word in these Bible studies. And uh, I'm amazed also at how... Uh, hungry the people seem to be uh, who are in things that are false. And that's amazing. And then we, we get back to the cross, we get back to faith and grace, and it seems like the, 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 that, that the fire for, for uh, the things of God dwindles. And I think we're missing what the message of the cross is really supposed to be doing in our hearts. I, I remember being in uh, false ministries for years, and the pastor would say, uh, we're going to meet Saturday morning. We're going to uh, pass out uh, some cassettes and want you to listen to them and, and write like a five-page report, and man, the church would be filled up with people who, who wanted to come and get that teaching and go home and write a report today. Uh, we've got people that could be here on Friday mornings, and they're just opting out, sleeping in, and so uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not throwing any condemnation. I'm just trying to show you that there's something lacking there when we claim we know the message of the cross. We're focused all about the gospel, but then we just limit ourselves to certain uh, ways, certain days. And So you're invited. Be here Friday morning, and uh, you will be blessed. I, I promise you. You'll be blessed if you want to learn the truth of God's Word. And uh, you can find everything we do here at Crossway Church on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can sow there at the website to help us do everything God's uh, calling us to do. You can be a part of that by texting also 903-231-5950. Thank you and God bless all of you who do help us. Uh, uh, preach this gospel and uh, it's such a blessing and an honor to be uh, publishing the word of God. We send seven expositor study Bibles every week into the prison system to the inmates who are requesting those Bibles. Have a stack of letters that thick right now and uh, we're thankful for all of you who are helping us do that and helping us sow into the Philippines, helping us sow into the church we planted in Wichita Falls, Texas uh, over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. So thank you for all you do that's a well-pleasing aroma uh, to the Lord, uh, uh, an offering of sacrifice and praise unto Him. And He, he is very uh, uh, just worthy to be praised by all those who are focused on the gospel, publishing the gospel, and we're thankful for that. Again, this morning we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5. This will be session 2 in chapter 5 on the 22nd day of May 2020. And so uh, we will begin uh, in verse 17 this morning. So 
Let's read that. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible here says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, uh, sometimes when we study the word, we, 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 we like ask questions and wonder, uh, uh, you know, why, how, why was this written when he's just been talking about widows and he gives the, the lengthy uh, requirements to be considered uh, a widow indeed, which allows the church to give them the provision to take care of them. Uh, the obligation is on the church to take care of widows that are widows indeed, not just someone claiming to be a widow. Uh, but then all of a sudden he just dives into uh, honor for elders, the provision for elders and things of that nature. But if we go back to the very first uh, verse in this chapter, it seems like he was talking about honoring elders and not rebuking elders. Uh, and, and then he goes into the prerequisites, the requirements for widows to be taken care of by the church. So I believe that it's very possible when he talked about in, in chapter 5 verse 1, rebuke not an elder but entreat him, but treat him as a father and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity, honor widows that are widows indeed. And then he, then he goes into the, 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 the spiel, if you will, about uh, what it means to be a widow indeed, the requirements that have to be there and manifest there for the church to be obligated to take care of them. And so, but we see that he's talking about rebuking not an elder. And then you go down uh, to verse 17 where we are today after he gives the long spiel about requirements for the women who've lost husbands to be uh, taken care of by the church. And if you want to hear that in detail, you go back to last uh, Friday's episode, which was part one of chapter 5, 1 Timothy, and you can see those things. We covered them. Uh, and we, we ran through them uh, pretty quickly because they're just point blank. There's not a whole lot to be said about that. Uh, uh, other scriptures to be brought in, there's not a lot of that. But you, you just have to believe the Word of God and take what Paul wrote as the Word of God and, and take it as it was given to us, the church, for instruction so we would know uh, how to act toward each other, how to treat each other, and uh, how to uh, express Christ in all the ways that we've been called to be the church. For our greatest uh, uh, goal as the church is to express Christ. And expressing Christ properly, we see the lost saved through preaching the gospel. We edify one another and, and through the preaching of the gospel, through our striving together for the faith of the gospel, we stay together, uh, we... we, we do the things God's called us to do, and we express Christ. You know, Jesus taught if we have love one to another, instead of bickering and arguing and fighting, if we have love one to another, everyone will see that we're His disciples. That's how they see we're His disciples. Not that we belong to a church. If we have love one to another. So maybe... Maybe that the Lord was talking about, the reason he started talking about elders, rebuke not an elder, but treat him. Uh, and we saw that properly 
and the younger women, the younger men and the, the older women, younger women, because it's how we treat each other, how we respect and honor each other that, that's going to show forth a picture of Christ in the church. So I believe he gets back into this after he gives the requirements that must be there that must be there. We don't just do uh, what we want to do. We follow God's Word, and many have opted out of God's Word and found themselves in a boatloads of trouble, but we just stick with God's Word and honor God by honoring His Word, and that's where we'll find Him in our midst when, as we honor each other according to His Word. So we get, He gets back into uh, the, 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 the thought of elders and he's not talking about here older people here he's re specifically referring to elders that are leaders that govern the church governing elders pastors bible calls them bishops but they're really pastors overseers leaders of a church the, and these and these aren't just leaders like youth leaders or leaders like administrative leader these are and we will get into this today and see this these are Elders that rule, they rule. Doesn't mean they dominate. They rule by example. They rule with the message of the gospel. They rule with the heart of love toward each other. And we will see some of these things in, in, in the Word of God today that we must follow. We, we, we cannot just uh, follow someone who God hasn't ordained, who God hasn't called, and God hasn't set in place. And there's a lot of a, agreement today with men uh, without there being a move of God to give us the recognition we need to see the ones who were called and sent by the Lord. And a lot of what goes on in the church today is really a respect of persons, which we will also see if we make it that far in the rest of this chapter, which by the way James wrote is a sin to respect, to be a respecter of persons, to exalt anyone or to lower anyone. Uh, based on outer appearance or anything like that is a sin. We'll see that. This is very important uh, part of the Word. And even as I've looked at it in greater detail, uh, the, the part that we ran through last week about what it is required for a woman who's lost her husband uh, to be a widow that's given provision in the church is very important because so many people think the church is just here to take care of their needs. We were talking about it, Kathy and I were, before uh, the teaching session began today about how many people just uh, come to the church. They don't even go to church. And, and they don't want to be in no church. But they want you to pay their light bill. They want you to buy their kids school supplies. They want money when they don't have money. And uh, one person even confronted me one time and said, uh, Jesus uh, fed the hungry. And I said, what hungry did Jesus feed? Those that followed him. He didn't just start a food bank, food ministry. It's okay if he leads you to do that, but he didn't do that. He fed those that followed him even if they were following him for the wrong reason, it's those that followed him he fed. So you got to watch out. People come from every direction. Just think the church is here just to give them handouts. And listen, the same thought is there with women sometimes who lose their husband. And yes, we should help them to try to get them back on their feet no matter who they are, whether they're widows indeed or not. But 
The Bible here is talking about as long as they remain a widow indeed with these requirements we've read, the church is obligated to take care of them. Somebody said amen. Now, we don't see a lot of that today, but I'm sure it's taking place. And uh, so it, it, this is an important segment of the scriptures that we need to look at because uh, Paul talks about don't rebuke the elders but treat them like that you should. And in verse 17 he says, Let the elders, well, again he's talking about not older people, the governing elders, those who rule. And here he says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So, the elders that rule well refers to those who hold positions of eldership, leadership in the church. And when he says that they're to be counted worthy of double honor, that means they're not only to be respected and valued as somebody God has put in that position and God has called and is using in that position as a governing elder, one who rules a local group of people, the local church. Uh, not only are we to see that, recognize that, and esteem them and honor them properly, and when we do, we're honoring God by honoring them, but number two, that we're to, we're to honor them. They're worthy of double honor, not just to recognize, and a lot of people need to hear this. We're not just to recognize them as somebody God's called and, and honor them and, and, and treat them properly according to their calling and their role God has put them in, such as pastor or a governing elder, but we're also, the Bible says, to give them double honor. And the word honor here, I'm going to read the definition to you. It means a value that is money, paid or value. A value that is money, paid are valuables. That's double honor. It, it, that when, when we go back and we look at last week's teaching in this chapter, uh, we see that in verse 3, honor widows that are widows indeed. That means the word honor there is the same. It means a value, we're to value a woman who is a widow indeed. That is, there is to be provision there. Money is paid or valuables. That means that when, uh, and we taught it last week, but I need to say it before we move in uh, to, the, to the elders concerning the word honor. The word honor brings with it more than just, I, well, yeah, I respect you as, as, a, as, as a widow. I, I see that you are, according to the Bible, a widow. Yeah, God bless you. I hope everything works out. No, it, honor means that the church brings the provision to that widow for her living. Now it may not be the level of living she was living at, but there is going to be provision there for her to keep living. That's honor. Not just I honor and respect you with my lips, but honor brings with it. You can look it up on your own. I always tell our folks all the time, look it up. You need to know this, not just a preacher mouthing up here. You need to look it up. The word honor here defined is is provision provision and so that's in verse 3 honor 
widows that are widows indeed. That means there's a respect and honor and a value placed on her because the way she's presented herself, obviously the manifestation of a, of a, a woman of prayer, a hospitable woman who's been uh, uh, someone who took care of the saints and was honorable among the church. Uh, and, and we see that, we notice that, we recognize that, and we honor that as the church. We honor that. That means there's provision now. And somebody said amen. We, we honor them with provision. So when we get down to the word 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. This is talking about pastors, associate pastors, those who are on staff on, in the governing, ruling elders, those that rule. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, deacons don't rule. They're not a part of the governing eldership. Now I know they are in a lot of churches, but that's not biblical. There is a governing board of elders. They are they who are in the Word and in prayer, and, and, and there is a head, a leading governing elder. That's the pastor. And... Uh, so we need to know those things. And the Bible here says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And again, let me say this. Double honor is number one, recognizing, esteeming them according to what God is calling them to do, honoring that, treating them, verse 1 treating them and treating them properly as the gift God's given to the body. And now we're going to double that and we're going to, the church is going to provide for them because they are laboring in the word and doctrine and governing by ruling well that local body of believers. That's what the Bible uh, 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 teaches. And so when you see the word honor... It brings with it not just a, a recognition uh, and that God has called them and God has called them to this place and God has called them to be my minister and God has also called me to honor them with provision and you will if you recognize that. I said you will if you recognize. People who don't recognize that or, 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 don't, or, or don't honor them, they don't give. They don't give. They don't understand giving. They don't understand honor. Uh, I mean, and, there, and there is a worldly sense of honor, and there is a biblical sense of honor. And if you look at it, it you, 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 you can't honor God and men, Jesus taught, at the same time. You have to choose which way you're going to go because if you honor God, men are not going to honor what you're doing nine times out of ten by honoring God. And so you need, to, you need to get in the Word, stay in the Word, and learn the Word because here's where we get faith. Here's from where faith comes, and we live by faith. We don't live by facts. We live by truth that brings us faith. Amen, Brother Curtis. So, and he, and he, and he confirms this with the next verse of Scripture, verse 18. Because the Scripture says, now, let, now let's say this, let me read verse 17 and then move into verse 18 because I, I like to do that when the first word is for. Because F-O-R means because. So let's do that. 
Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy. That means you and I are to count them worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine because the Scripture says... See, that's why we do it. Because God has told us. Because the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. And the laborer is worthy of his reward. The laborer, he's talking about the elders here that rule well. The laborer in the word and doctrine, the laborer, the elder, the pastor, the governing elders there are laborers worthy of their reward. Worthy of that double honor. Doesn't mean they're above everybody. Doesn't mean that they're that, that all of a sudden now they're worthy. And no, no, we're talking about here. God's talking about here. Worthy. What they're they're laboring in the word and doctrine. There's a manifestation of what God's called them to do. It's taking place. They don't just get in the pulpit and, 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 and throw a Bible open and say, all the, well, I just want to share my heart with you today because they're not studying the Word. They don't have anything fresh. Those are not uh, pastors who are governing well. They're not laboring in the Word and doctrine. I'll say it again. A pastor that I respect very much asked me recently uh, concerning another pastor, are they still studying the Word? You know, and if I even heard what I'm saying right now, I would think, my Lord, I hope they wasn't asking about me. And, and you know, uh, that shouldn't be a question about us. When we show up to minister, no matter when or where it is, we should have a ready word because governing elders who are worthy of double honor are those who are governing well and they're laboring in the word and doctrine. The, the, the word and the teaching of the word. That's what doctrine means. Several doctrines, many doctrines in the Bible, but they're all tied to the gospel because only in the gospel is God's righteousness revealed, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and all His words are in righteousness. That means all His teaching, all the doctrines of the Bible are only going to be seen, understood, and walked in properly if our faith is in the blood of Jesus. And I always have to throw that in because without that, we're just going to snub our noses a lot of times at a lot of things God God is saying. And, and listen, you don't have to be afraid of serving God with your finances. And it, it's not up to you to determine, listen, what happens with your finances after you give it. That's between who you're giving it to and God. They're going to answer for that. That's not up for you. Your and my, as a, as a child of God, is to notice, recognize those who are preaching the gospel, teaching God's word in that context, laboring in the word and doctrine, presenting God's word, you're growing, you're being edified and encouraged, you're, you're learning the truth of God's word, you, the fire's being lit in your heart. There's a well-governing elder there and who's laboring in the word and doctrine and you're benefiting from it and you're giving toward that's your part of double honor 
on that minister. And somebody said, Amen. And you, you know, a lot of people won't give because they don't know they don't know anything about the process or the order of a local church. And some people, uh, I'm not getting into giving today, but that's a big problem in the church today. A huge problem. People just think it's their money and their their life and and their time and know everything we've got really belongs to God. And Christians are going to give an answer at the judgment seat of Christ for everything they did good and bad in the body and we need to remember that. So here Paul is using scripture to remind those who will believe scripture uh, that that we're not to muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. We're not to expect ministers that are called of God who govern well laboring in the word and doctrine, ministering to the people the truth of God's word. We're not expect, we shouldn't expect them to have to go out and, and, and labor and, 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 and work all that way. We're, we're to take care of them, double honor. Now, a lot of times uh, that can't happen, and Paul would even have to be a teacher at times. And, and I even worked... Uh, the last 12 years, or the first 12 years rather, of this ministry that God has given us. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the, but the church is obligated. Let me say it, the church is obligated to do their part in double honoring that well-governing minister and those governing elders who are laboring in the word and doctrine, obligated, just as obligated to honor the widows as they are that well-ruling governor. And somebody said, Amen, or I'm turning him off because I don't like the Bible. <laughs> but I love the word of God. And if we just surrender to God's word through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, and if our faith is in the cross of Christ, not just saying it is, if it is there, we've broken and we surrender to the Lord through faith in the cross, realizing we were crucified with him, buried and raised up to newness of life in him to walk with the power, but the power comes as we believe the word of God. And we can't believe the Word of God as we should unless our faith is in what Jesus did at Calvary because the cross is the only place God recognizes humility and brokenness and surrender. I don't surrender outside of faith to the cross. I may think I'm surrendering. I may think I'm broken because I'm crying. But if my, if my heart, if my faith doesn't end up at Calvary, God doesn't recognize me as broken before Him. Oh, broken I may be as Esau was uh, or, or Judas was, but broken before Him I'm not. Humble before Him I'm not unless it's at the cross. Somebody said amen or help me, Lord. For the scripture said, You shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. What's the picture there? If you've got those, those, those cattle chained up and they're walking in circles just uh, treading out that corn, grinding it up the way they used to do, just stomping on it all day long, and you don't feed them, guess what's going to happen? You're going to stop having flour because it's going to stop working. What you got, And God gave Paul this letter to give to Timothy and the church in Ephesus so that 
things could work the way God wants them to work. So not only could the people of God, the widows, the elders be taken care of and everything function as it should, but in this, most of all, Jesus is edified, God is glorified, and the people of God are edified. If Jesus is not being magnified and God glorified, we can't be edified. It's just fleshly deeds. If we'll stick with the Word of God that brings the faith into our heart the faith of the Son of God, we can function by faith in the Son of God and see the will of God taking place in our lives. Somebody said amen. So he says here in verse 19, against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Now, now think about that. Honor for leadership is one way the people of God honor God. He's talking about that. He's, when he starts talking about don't, e don't even receive an accusation against an elder unless there's two or three witnesses, not of you, not of you accusing the other, witnesses that know and have seen or heard what the guy that's accusing the elder of is witnesses of that. Not just bringing them there to listen to you, but they are witnesses of what the accusation is about. Somebody shows up to you and says, I want to tell you something about our pastor. Well, you have no proof because all you've done is hear someone tell you. Now think about that. Now, you need to get a hold of this. Somebody comes to you and says, I want to tell you something about our pastor, what I saw him doing. Well, you didn't see him doing it. Amen. See, we don't like this. Because anybody, and it happens all the time, people make up lies about preachers. They get convicted of sin instead of repenting. Their hearts grow their hearts condemn them. They reject the opportunity to repent. And so they get mad. And so they start suddenly, deceptively working for revenge. And they'll go as far as lying. Lying on... And that's not honoring an elder. So let's read it again. Against an elder, these governing elders, these leaders, don't receive an accusation unless there's two or three witnesses there. There's got to be proof, my friend. There can't just be hearsay. There can't just be hearsay. You get it? You, 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 can't, you can't just bring an accusation against an elder just by, by your words, by what you say, by what you think. By Listen, there has to be other witnesses that heard or see or something that, that's that Witnesses. Not witnesses that are there just with you, with your accusation. No, witnesses that heard or saw or experienced what the accusation is about. You got to, oh, I don't like that. I ought to be able to come. No, God's Word reigns over what we think. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that, but a lot of people didn't like a lot of things about God all through the ages. But if we'd stick with the Word of God, we'd come out better because... Our main desire as a child of God should be to honor God. 
And the one way we do that is by honoring those God has set in our midst to govern, to rule, and to lead the body of Christ. There are gifts in the body. There's pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles. Absolutely. They're all still among us in the church today. Jesus gave those gifts to the church. Some of them have changed a little bit, but they all still exist. And it's for the edifying of the saints. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's so that we won't be... I'm, talk, I'm speaking from Ephesians 4 right now. It's so that we won't be uh, blown uh, about, by tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine uh, so that we can continue to grow in the unity of the faith of the Son of God. And listen, our heart should be to honor the person. And, 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 and sometimes ministers do fall into sin. It happens all the time. Why? Well, how can they? They're a preacher. They're human. They're human. They can fall just as easy as anybody can fall because they're still living in a flesh body. Yes, they may know more truth, but it's not about what you know. It's about what you're doing with what you know. Every Christian, listen, knows that they're saved because they're a Christian. They know they should be in the Bible. Are they students of the Bible? Most are not. But when they see a preacher fall, they want to grab them and man, throw them in the fire and, and, and spray gasoline on them. Come on now. But they're not students of the Word. A lot of them aren't in church, but boy, they'll jump on the bandwagon of tormenting a preacher when he falls. Like, like he's, that shows right there, <coughs> there is no honor for that man or that woman. There is no honor there. There's no respect there. And the, and the focus of this is to respect and honor these leaders. Not to esteem them high and praise and worship them, but to honor them. By honoring the leaders God has given you, you're honoring God. And when you're not honoring them, you're not, you're not participating in that double honor, you're not honoring God. We don't honor God just because we think we are, say we are. We honor God when we honor through the manifestation obedience to His Word. Somebody say that, amen. You one of them old preachers. That's right, I'm one of them old preachers that believes God's Word. And he says, don't receive an accusation against an elder unless there are two or three witnesses there. And then he says in verse 20, them that sin, and he's talking about preachers here, elders that sin, <coughs> rebuke before all. You see that? In the presence of all, rebuke. That others may also fear. Fear what? Fear being rebuked by all. How many times have you and I learned something by watching somebody else fall into sin? Amen. I, listen, I don't have to learn everything the hard way. I might say I learn a lot of things the hard way. It's a popular saying and true for most. But I don't have to learn everything the hard way. I can watch you make a mistake and fear can come on my heart. The Bible says it. So that I don't make that same mistake. It doesn't mean I won't. It, but the purpose of the rebuke before all on the minister is that others also may fear. That means respect. That means to realize if I walk in a place and I don't repent that, and I don't turn from this sinful activity, 
I'm going to be rebuked before all. And thank God he's a gentleman. Thank God he will start dealing with us in the privacy of just our own heart. But if we don't let him deal with us, if we don't go the direction of his dealing with us, he will allow it to get to the place where we are now being rebuked by all, a public spectacle, public humility, humiliation. And and that's what God says to do when there are preachers living in sin, them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Now think about that. There's a purpose for it. It's not to bash and to tear down. Restoration is always in the mind and the plan of God for everybody. No matter what their situation is, no matter what they've done, no matter how horrible it is, God's desire and will is restoration. It don't matter how horrible it was. It don't matter how evil and wicked it was. God's plan is restoration. God saves and restores. God forgives and forgets. God, with God, every day is a new day when you're walking with the Lord. His mercies are brand new again today. His grace is still more than sufficient. You as a child of God are brand new all over again today with a clean slate. Oh, now the community may condemn you the rest of their life, but that's from the condemnation in their own heart. That's from the rebellion in their own heart. How many Christians have told us, I don't listen to him. He may be preaching the gospel. He may think he's preaching the gospel and the cross, but I remember what he did. Aren't you glad God's not sitting around remembering what you did? God doesn't remember what he, whoever he is. God, but you are, you are still holding him in a place of condemnation only because your heart is condemning you. The only people who are throwing rocks of condemnation are those who are being controlled by the condemnation in their own heart. I preached a powerful message many years ago when we were on Main Street uh, talking about throwing rocks or or I can't remember the name of it, but it was t- I called it rock chunking because that's what where we are in Texas. We we don't throw rocks; we chunk rocks. And and uh, and and the, the only ones who were throwing stones of condemnation, trying to I ain't listening to them because I remember what they did. That's not a heart of forgiveness. And and Jesus taught if you don't forgive them, your Father can't forgive you of not forgiving them. So you're walking in contempt with a heart of condemnation, your own self. So listen, listen. you need to understand, God calls somebody. What if God called you? What if God uh, just exalted your ministry and made, gave you a worldwide ministry? And what if you did a big piece of stupid? And what if you repented and, 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 and was walking with God again? Would you expect everybody else? Would you expect everybody else? To treat you, well, I've, I've repented. I've, I, you know, I've, I've confessed my sin. God's been faithful. God's using me. God, what, so let me say this. You and I are to honor those that God has called and obviously using. How do we know? They're laboring in the word and doctrine. They're presenting the word of God as it is doctrinally taught by the Spirit and the word which is always going to be in reference to Christ and what he did at Calvary. Don't forget that. He says in verse 21, I charge thee before God. That means, now now here, now this is another thing we don't like as a church. Paul had the authority of Christ to command. 
That's what the word charge means. I command thee before God. God sees me writing this, Paul says. God sees me commanding you. He has ordered me. God has commanded me to command you. The command is really from God through Paul to the church. People are, preachers are throwing out God's, I mean Paul's writings. I've heard of preachers getting rid of what Paul wrote. But if you do that, you're getting rid of God's commands. Paul says, I command thee before God. Before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ. And the elect angels, that you observe these things without preferring one another, without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Now see, God knows just what to bring in. Now this, this guy over here, he got caught in sin. This, this elder, this governing elder, he's, he's walked with God, he's been used of God, and now he's been found in sin. And, 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 and we're going to rebuke him. He refuses to repent. He's still convicting that sin. We've told him the way of the cross is his way of victory. If he'll trust in what Christ did and he just he, he won't do it, he, he's still living in that sin. He's not heartbroken over it. He, even though he might act like it, he, he refuses to stop. He refuses to repent, which means to believe and trust in Christ's work at Calvary where sin no longer dominates you, Romans 6.14, and to turn about and follow Christ where that sin's no longer dominating you. And we rebuke Him before all, but now here's our dear precious guy who's valued and exalted very high because of his house he lives in, his car he drives, his his suits he wears, and boy, this guy's really got the look about him, you know. This guy can really orate before the people. Man, he's got a speaking gift. He, oh, he makes us feel so good. This guy, and, and, and somehow we try to do everything we can, pull every string we can to keep from having to re rebuke this guy who also won't repent. Now, let me tell you, it's unpleasing to God and we bring ourselves into the boat of sin with them when we participate in that respecter of persons. Now I'm going to read to you uh, James chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, which is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Colon. He's not done yet. He's going to get... Remember what I always teach in this ministry is when you see a colon, you're getting ready to hear something that's going to expound even more so what you just heard. So watch this. Let me read that again. James chapter 2 verse 8. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. We've all done it. We've all been guilty of it. And the honest man said, Amen, Brother Curtis. And the liar says, I ain't never done that. 
But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Convinced. When we have respect of persons, child of God, who have the Spirit of God, we know that we're doing it. We know that we're not carrying out God's Word upon this minister as we did that minister because there's some respect for them we have we didn't have for them. Come on now somebody, I'm trying to help you today. Being a respecter of persons is sinful. It's taught more than one place in the Word of God, more than a couple places in the Word of God. It's there. When we respect the person, the, the outward, Jesus even taught on it in John 7, 24, that we're not, to, uh, we're not to judge on outward appearance. That's by respect of persons. But we're to make righteous judgment. That means our judgment is based on the Word of God Righteous judgment, all God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, write it down, I beg you. Write it down, go look at it. All the words of God, all the words that I speak, God says, are in righteousness. And the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16 and 17. So every word of God must be seen, viewed, accepted, and will only be imparted into the heart by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of grace, as we see it as the truth of God's word that brings the liberty, liberates us from going in any other way than God's word. He that knows the truth shall be made free, yeah, from sin. And when we continue to know the truth, that means be in a place where we're experiencing the truth daily, we shall continually be made free from falling into sin. Like this, respecting Him but not respecting Him, rebuking Him before all, but not, we're not rebuking Him before all. He, you know, this guy not only is a governing elder who governs well, but he also... He also owns the business in town that everybody known him. They've known his family for years and we could never do that to his name. It's not about... do. It's, that's respect of persons. This guy over here, man, he's nothing but a preacher. This guy over here, man, his family's got a legacy in this community, a heritage. Man, we could never rebuke him publicly before. That's respecter of persons. That's sin. And children of God have the Spirit of God. The Bible here says are convinced of the law as transgressors. See, here's another place we see in the New Testament where the law still working. The law still working. We're not living, we're not righteous by it, but the law still playing a part. Right here, do you see that? Are convinced. If you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced by the law as transgressors. Think about that. You look that up, get your own Bible study going, be good to look into. The law still plays a part of convincing of sin when we find ourselves being dominated by some sin. You know what that means? Where sin is dominating, and there's a domination of sin in the respect of persons. There's a domination of sin in the respect of persons. And that doesn't take place when grace is working. That only takes place when we're trusting in something other than the Word of God 
that the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of grace can impart to us the wisdom and the boldness and the strength and the courage to walk the way of God's Word. Somebody said amen. Oh, it's good this morning to be hearing and learning God's Word. God wants to remove, and I pray it for, before every teaching, every preaching session that I have, God, remove the dark places and let the light of your Word shine into our hearts and remove the dimness, the darkness. Let the, let the understanding of our hearts be enlightened with the truth of your word. We desperately need that today. And it's not just head knowledge. If it is, it won't work for you. It has to move into where we believe unto, even today, righteousness with the heart. That means trusting that what Christ did at the cross for us is enough today so the Holy Spirit through faith in that can enlighten our hearts with the Word of God and we can see Him and watch Him function in our through our lives the manifestation of the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2. When we handle God's Word properly the manifestation is that of the truth. That is powerful. And so I preached it two or three services ago. And again, you can go watch everything we do at the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Grow with us in the truth of God's Word. Grow with us in our determination to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. Grow with us in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Move outside those perimeters, that denominations, those barriers that uh, names of, uh, of groups of people have laid upon you. Move outside of that and begin to follow Christ without rules and regulations that men bring and walk by faith according to God's Word. That faith that comes when you hear Believe and trust in God's Word through your faith in the blood of Jesus. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. And you know Paul has taught Timothy that you don't accept a novice. Somebody gets saved, they're on fire, you don't just put them in the ministry. That happens a lot of time in, in, in the church world today, especially small churches where there's hardly anybody there and they're desperately and rightly so looking for God to send them people to use. And, and you can use them, but not in the five-fold ministry, not quickly, not suddenly. And laying hands here, what Paul is referring to, laying hands suddenly on, on no man, the laying on of hands, it, it, it points to, and really what's being described here is an agreement with, an acknowledgement of, a recognition of God's calling on someone for the ministry. And we're not to do that quickly. I don't care how bad we need. I don't care how bad we need. Right now, Crossway Church has many needs. Well, I'm not going to get on social media or even tell you what they are today because I don't want somebody uh, start a whole list of people uh, hacking away. Not hacking, that's a bad word today, but, but uh, trying to apply for jobs. And Listen, if God's called you to Crossway Church, come and, and more than likely, if he, not more than likely, 
If God's called you to come and be a part of Crossway Church, if He has, He's got a function for you. And you'll find it. He'll show it to you. And you can function in your calling. Don't try to figure it all out. It's never going to be the way you plan. Never is it going to be the way you plan. God's plan is higher and better than ours. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, you know, but, but again, crossway, we, man, we're praying for God to send people with gifts, with talents, with the, with the desire and the gift there to minister and, and all sorts of needs we have at Crossway Church. And, and we're waiting, we're looking, we're asking, we're expecting. And, but I'm, again, I'm not going to put all our needs out there. Not, and if you want to do that, you go right ahead. But I don't want to go through all the headache of everybody saying, well, I do this and I do that. No, if God's called you to cross. Crossway Church, then you come on and He'll use you in the area of your gifting. Amen. And if He has called you and He does send you anywhere, there will be, if it is of God, if it is of God, there will be a recognition of that calling and an opportunity to be used. Amen, Brother Curtis. But even if it is the case, it's not to happen suddenly. Folks show up and say, God sent me. Man, I remember years ago, man, his wife showed up at Crossway Church. We were still on Main Street over there a few years ago. He said, God told me to come to this church and to learn the message of the cross. He said, I'm a prophet. And I said, well, we're glad to have you. I didn't get into none of that with him. Every person, every person that's ever told me that, I, I don't know where they are today. <laughs> But you know what? It, he stayed there. He came about two or three weeks and then I guess God told him to leave or I guess he done learned the message of the cross. And, but anyway, listen, I don't care who you are or what your gifting is when you show up. You've got to be patient. You've got to let God show others there what he's called you to do. And remember this. Can't no man stop what God's called you to do. So don't be blaming other men. Well, they're, they're hindering my gifting. They're, they're stopping what God's... Got. No, no, uh-uh. Either you need to be patient and wait on the Lord to show them so they can acknowledge or maybe you're in the wrong place. But you got to figure it out. You got to pray. You got to get with the Lord and figure it out. Because God's got a place for every child of God and God has distributed gifts to some degree to every child of God. We've all got gifts and talents, and they're not to be exalted above any, but some are to be honored, double honor. We're talking about that today for these elders who rule well. But here he says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, which that would be us partaking in men's sins Instead of rebuking, we don't rebuke. Instead of not laying hands suddenly on anybody, we lay hands suddenly and put them right into the ministry just because we think they're called and there doesn't need to be a time of testing. And, when, and, and, and as I said earlier, Paul's already told Timothy, you don't put a novice into the ministry. Somebody who's just born again on fire for God, everybody who's just born again is on fire for God. Don't mean they're called to the fivefold ministry. But there's a place for them and there's a function for them. But if they're just rooting for the fivefold ministry and if they don't get it, that just puts them back at home on their couch 
then they're, they're living in rebellion and disobedience and really according to the flesh. But he tells Timothy here, partake, uh, uh, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. No matter what anybody else is doing, if it's sinful, don't partake of it. Keep yourself pure. It's the best thing for them. The best thing for people got sin in their lives is not you dabbling around with that sin with them. God says He forbids that. He says you keep yourself pure because that's what they need to see, somebody living pure. Even though they'll say, well, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got issues, fact, but you're living in sin. This guy's not. He's keeping himself pure. Amen, Brother Curtis. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake in thine often infirmities. Don't nobody really know the issue here except Timothy had some stomach issues and we don't know why that he was just drinking water. It might have been whatever he had going on in his mind. Paul wrote here to Timothy, got real specific with him and about his stomach issues, possibly other stomach issues among other. I don't know. But here he says, he says... Stop drinking water for your stomach issues and use a little wine for your stomach's sake. For your stomach's sake. Get that, folks, for those trying to make excuse why they want to drink. Most Christians who make an excuse why they want to drink are doing it also in wrong places with wrong people and they're not presenting the gospel there. They're doing it for the wrong reason. Paul's real specific here. Stop drinking water... Use a little wine for your stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Think about that. Thy frequent sicknesses. He's telling him, listen, water is not the answer. For your, there's, he's using wine here in the context of, what's the word? Medicine, medicinal purposes. You got stomach issues. Water not going to fix it. You need a little wine for that. He's using wine here in the context of medicine because there's some stomach issues. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you come down with certain diseases, water ain't getting rid of. And Paul, that's what he's doing here. He says, some men sins, and I'm not sticking around that because I don't debate folks about alcohol. I mean, if you, listen, if you think it's okay to drink and to party and get drunk, you got a problem with your faith. You got a problem with your faith. And I don't get into that. Uh, I, I always say this concerning alcohol. Whatever reason we give for partaking of alcohol outside of medicinal purposes, and that would be by doctors or an actual uh, manifestation of something that works on us that doesn't alter the mind, then we're just partaking of it and, and it's sinful because we're trusting in alcohol to do something Jesus died so that the Holy Spirit could be providing for us. That's what I believe and that's what I teach. Any reason we give for partaking of alcohol outside of its medicinal purposes is something we're denying Jesus of being able to do for us. And Jesus did give us wine. He did give us the antibiotics. He gave us all the things. There's nothing wrong with what we read here. 
if it's done properly for proper purposes. But to go out into a club and hang, or at home and to just have that party spirit. We're trying to do something, provide something through alcohol for ourselves that Jesus died to be able to impart and provide to us by the Holy Spirit. And everybody has to say amen or oh me, help me Lord, one of the two. Some men's sins are open beforehand. That means there's sin there. It's going before to judgment. Some men living in sin, they're experiencing the judgment of that sin right now. He says, uh, and some men, they follow after. Some men getting away with sin right now, but the judgment of that sin is coming later, even if it's after they die, where they end up. But the judgment of sin will catch up with you. If Even if it's not being manifest now, the manifestation, the consequences of sin will eventually catch up with you. And that's what he's talking about. Some men's sins are open. Everybody sees them going before to judgment. And they're living in the condemnation and the shame of their sin. And others, it seems they're getting away with it, but make no mistake, it's going to catch up with them. We've got one more verse. I'm trying to get through this fifth chapter. In verse 25 says, Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand. Right now, the good works, people see them, it's taking place, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. There, listen, and he's, talk, he's, he's talking about those who were called to the ministry, those in the ministry, uh, because he says, The good works of some are manifest beforehand. But there's others who are novices and the good works are eventually going to come out and be seen. Just because somebody's going to a church today and they're not being recognized as a pastor or an elder or a deacon or a whatever it is doesn't mean there won't come a day where that is manifest. Just because you, you, who, the gifting you have is not known we all grow in our giftings and we also all grow in our ability to recognize giftings and we also grow in our ability, which is all by the Spirit, to take those people and lay hands on those and be in agreement, agreement with God in what we see God is doing and desiring to do through those, those men, those women, those people. Amen, Brother Curtis. So I hope this teaching's helped you today. Uh, it, it helps me every time I'm in the Word of God, even more so when I study to be able to bring uh, God's Word to you. And, you know, uh, you can always uh, comment, complain, agree, uh, uh, do whatever you need to do. And, and people who ask questions, they even help me out. Uh, people who sometimes disagree. Help me out because it makes me dig in and research more. And I, so I appreciate uh, all the, the good comments, those who uh, bring rebukes, those who say whatever they say, unless they're just being plumb right out ugly and nasty, we welcome those. And I know we went, we went a couple of minutes over, but uh, I'm just uh, not worried about it. Uh, so I'm thankful to be sharing God's Word with you. Join us every Friday morning in our First Timothy teaching here on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I pray again it's been a blessing to you, an encouragement to you, helped you to understand a few things. Maybe our hearts have been enlightened today and some dark spots removed. 
and uh, we love you. God bless you. Be sure and tune in Sunday morning for a great worship service here live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel. And until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.